It is December 23rd. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure people know that we record these a little bit in advance, but uh, yeah, yeah, we were just talking a little bit about the holidays and how diets just go out the window. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And any thoughts on on what people can do to kind of uh, help that a little bit? Yeah, um, I see this a lot. Um, You know, I could be working with somebody for a long time, quite a few months, and they're on a really good path of changing their habits and, you know, which could have come from a place of, you know, eating, you know, not the best food choices for them and, you know, poor digestion and all sorts of things, maybe drinking too much. and, And they can get to a place where they are actually making a lot of headway and they're feeling a lot better. But then... What I see a lot is that they tend to use holidays as an excuse to kind of take a break. Right. And so where I where I feel like my role is as a teacher and an educator is to help them to um, not look at holidays as a break. Because there's always holidays. There's always going to be something coming up. There's always going to be some event in your life that's going to sort of unstable. Mm-hmm. And then and then people tend to fall what you call what they call, you know, fall off the bandwagon and go back to their old habits. So my my role and my purpose, what I feel, is to help them actually continue to make the best choices for their own bodies, to make that connection that actually when their body, when they're giving their body what they needs um, that helps them feel well, that that will actually help them navigate those more difficult times. So right. whether it's a holiday, whether it's a you know a death in the family, whether it's you know a breakup or whatever it is, the healthier your body is, the more that you're actually giving it the nutrients it needs, <clears throat> the more well functioning it is, um, the better it's able to actually manage and handle that stress. Mm-hmm. So I noticed um, like when mm-hmm. I first became a vegetarian, then so mm-hmm. all of the things that you know sort of were. Around the holidays, the type of foods that were out there, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of meats and things like that. And then, but also when you become a vegetarian or when you start to take your health a little more seriously, your mm-hmm. nutrition a little more seriously, you start looking at how much sugar is and mm-hmm. stuff and how much salt. And it's like, yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, definitely not that. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of sort of, it, it kind of helps if you do stick to your mm-hmm. ideals. Like if you, if you do have a nutrition plan mm-hmm. in place, mm-hmm. like do your best, you know, to mm-hmm. just, it's kind of easy in some ways to walk away, but also don't, you don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. completely like be sitting in the corner. Oh no, I can't have any of that. No, <laughs> no. And, and what I like to actually remind people, and this is what I teach them a part of, you know, a lot of the work that we do together, you know, I have them fill out, you know, food journals oh, on okay. a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that's not, not just so I can monitor their food intake and see what they're eating and kind of be like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't be eating that. Right. It's really an education it's like an educational tool for them to use to understand better how their food is affecting them. So a lot of times, you know, a lot of my clients will come to me and say, well, you know, I'm feeling this way or, and I don't know why. I don't know mm-hmm. what foods are causing me this issue. Right. You know, I, I, I'm feeling sluggish all the time or I'm feeling depressed or tired or, or you know, I get this gas and this bloating, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't know. And so by doing a regular food journal, we're actually, we're actually noting down any symptoms you're feeling after meals, whether it's emotional or physical, because food can affect you either way. Yeah. Um, they start to make that connection and start saying, oh, you know, every time I've eaten this cheese, I get these symptoms. And, and that helps them understand, oh, okay. And, and people get used to not feeling well. Mm-hmm. They actually get used to their symptoms. 
you know, I know some people who mm. are like, well, they think it's normal to like burp a lot after eating. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, I wouldn't call it normal. It's actually not, uh, it's actually a symptom. It's a symptom of, you know, fermentation. It's a f- symptom of sort of poor digestion. It's not something that's necessarily natural yeah. and normal. And depending on your culture right. or, you know, like people tend to eat everything that's put in front of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or a lot mm-hmm. of people anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just I think that's how that's one of the, the things that Weight Watchers do, right? They mm-hmm. talk about portion control mm-hmm. and just half the, the portions. like. Mm-hmm. That's worked for me. Like, mm. like I would say, usually have some French toast instead of having three mm-hmm. pieces, have two pieces. Right. Yeah, it makes a big difference, right? Yeah, breaking out of old habits, and sometimes these habits are ones that are unconscious that we just do out of habit, and not because you know um, our, our body's particularly wanting it. So a lot of the work that I do is helping people to develop a relationship with their body again, mm. because they may not actually be aware or um, even listening to what their body needs are just completely out of tune yeah yeah so they're used to having a dessert because it's just habit not necessarily because they're hungry and they want it Mm -hmm. so a lot of times you know i get a lot of women especially coming to me and saying you know i keep eating after dinner and i want sweets and it's not that you know and i always ask them you know how does your body feel Mm -hmm. how does your stomach feel do you feel satiated like do you actually feel physically full 99% 99% of the time they say yes, yeah. but there's still that desire for something sweet. So mm. that's what we investigate and we look into, okay, well, what is happening there? Is it that there's an imbalance of macronutrients? You didn't need enough protein. You didn't need enough fats in that meal. Is it an emotional need? And sure. a lot of times, you know, half the time it is. Half the time it is something, it's actually a comfort Right, yeah, you know, like a dessert, a piece of cake, or key lime pie. Oh, that's right. so beautiful. And right? that usually happens more in the later hours, mm-hmm. and that's something we investigate too. It's like, okay, well, why do you think it happens in the later hours? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I've had a long day. <laughs> I feel like I deserve it. So it's that type of story. Yeah. And so this is where I work with people to help them shift out of that and, and, and just even acknowledge that and just be aware of that. Yeah. That it's like when they actually make, can make that awareness and that connection – that starts the process of actually um, them being able to start to change that. And I think there's a subconscious thing that's going on, too. When you look at TV and the Internet and stuff. Yeah. The world's greatest baking chef and then you know, oh, yeah. all of these shows just oh, yeah. about making pies and desserts. <laughs> it's, it gets in your your head and just like, I know I'm, I'm bad that way. If I, I'm watching an old movie and they're drinking champagne, I'm like, I need to get some champagne. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a very old, uh, it's a very old way of the subliminal, subliminal, what do you call it? Subliminal programming. Yeah. And, and, you know, even me, I me. love looking through, you know, the live magazine where they have beautiful pictures of like all these meals that they're making and it's just beautiful you yeah. know healthy meals and sometimes i get start getting hungry yeah even though i've just eaten and i'm not physically hungry but i'm looking at all these beautiful pictures and that so the whole visual thing is a really big <laughs> maybe big that could be enough it. like you could just look at the picture <laughs> and take it in i saw some a recipe today in the new york yeah. times for pumpkin cheesecake i'm like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I looked at it, and I looked at the ingredients. Of course, it's just like sugar, butter, milk. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. so that was good enough to hit. Was yeah, <laughs> but, but I think we can get to a place, you know, I mean, I, I used to be a real sweet addict. And oh, really? I'm a really okay. sugar addict and candy, mm-hmm. love candy every day. And um, But you can get to a place where you actually, you're able to just appreciate the beauty of the food. Like, I, I love look, going into bakeries and just looking at yeah, yeah. their beautiful cakes and pies. But I have no desire to 
to eat them yeah. if I'm not hungry. I just don't. I just, but I love looking at them. Have you tried uh, Japanese cheesecake? Have you seen that in, in Country mm, Grocer? No. Oh, my God. It's so good. You just have to have one small piece. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't be an option for me since I avoid dairy. <laughs> oh, they might have a vegan uh, version of it, but it's Ooh, like, it's a lot yeah. lighter for you listening at home. Yeah. It's a lot lighter type of cheesecake. It's oh, almost okay. like half of a cake, almost not a half cake, but right. yeah, it's really delicious. Nice. The first time I saw that, I was like, Japanese cheesecake. Never heard of that. <laughs> okay, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> the last couple of times we were talking a lot about... Um, the sort of your life history and, mm -hmm. and where you come from in Chile and then uh, moving to Vancouver and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And going to Peru, that was like a big uh, mm -hmm. uh, change in your life sort mm -hmm. of direction. And then kind of had a dark night of the soul um, mm -hmm. after your mother passed. Mm -hmm. But then, um, so you moved here like 10 years ago, right? Something like 2012. that? 2012. 2012, so yeah. 10 years. Yeah. And um, then you, you started working at the nutrition store right away? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That first year I was just really looking to get some type of work because when we moved here, I moved here with my partner and, uh, neither of us knew what we were doing here. Yeah. We just knew that, okay, this is a nice place to live. So let's, we needed a change. Yeah. So we came here and, uh, I had no idea what I would do for work, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I just got basically took the first job that was offered and, um, and then this, I needed a, a permanent employment. So the, um, the local grocery store here was offering a uh, space, like uh, hiring people. And so mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I don't really want to work in a grocery department, but, yeah. you know, I just took took the job. And then luckily that's when the vitamins department opened uh, soon after that. And so because health and nutrition has always been, had always at that point been, you know, a passion of mine for many years and my focus, I thought, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, it's quite a synchronicity, eh? Yeah. So I... Uh, I, I was up there, uh, I got hired pretty quickly and then, uh, I started working there and, um, and then I discovered that, uh, the colleague that I worked with who, um, <clears throat> I still work with to this day cause I'm still there just on the weekends. Um, she was a registered nutritionist uh -huh. and so that sort of sparked that interest for me because I thought, you know, it started me thinking and at that point, you know, I've never really been a person who... You know, I was never interested in going to university, as we talked about, and, yeah. you know, just kind of did my own thing and studied my own thing. And um, but I thought, you know, it just kind of started that process, that sort of that thinking process in my mind of like, this is something that I've always loved. You know, I read nutrition books and, then, you know, health books as for my leisure. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I do this all the time. And this is some of my own research. And I thought, what am I doing? You know, maybe I should maybe I should actually get some accreditation for this. And so I started looking to schools and, uh, the school in, uh, that I ended up go going to was, uh, Canadian school of natural nutrition, mm -hmm. which was actually the school that my colleague had graduated from and she had become a registered nutritionist through there. And so I thought, well, this is a, this is a great coincidence. And, um, but that's what started it. And that's, that's, that's the, that was the start of my nutrition journey. And and for for people who journey. haven't looked at your website, mm -hmm. um, your educational, I mean, obviously you, you, it took off from there. So you have the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, Giascatalis Functional Nutrition, Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, uh, Therapeutic Touch, Academy of Functional Wellness, yeah. <laughs> and School of Applied Functional Medicine. I just kept going just because, you know, I, I finished, when I did my diploma program from Nutrition Studies, um, I thought, you know, I just want to keep going. I, I, I felt like I just, 
I needed more. Yeah. And I really felt I wanted to focus on the mental health aspect. And so I did a few uh, in-depth courses through the same school in mental health. And then I started looking into functional medicine, which I hadn't, at that point, I hadn't really heard much about, but it was sort of the newest buzzword. Yeah, yeah, and it's still kind of, I was mentioning it to my friend uh, mm-hmm. Damien, he plays uh he comes in here and plays tablet every once in a while. And, mm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I tell him I have these podcasts, meditation and whatever. And he's right. like, yeah, yeah. He goes, I don't really listen to podcasts. I go, I have a functional medicine woman. He goes, oh. I love <laughs> And he started talking about the gut. And I'm like, oh, there we go. <laughs> we got our first real listener. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I had been a nutritionist for a few years there. And I still, you know, um, uh when I, well, I was still in school and I hadn't really heard much about it. And then it's new to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started hearing, you know, different from different places uh, about this new modality that's sort of getting more popular. And I started looking to it. I thought, oh, this sounds exactly what I'm looking for in terms of going a little bit deeper into this knowledge that I had acquired. And I just I felt like I needed more. Like I yeah. felt like diet and nutrition wasn't enough. Like it needed to go a little bit deeper into pathology, a little bit deeper into the science um, which we had touched on in school, but not to the extent that I got, I received in when I started studying functional medicine. And when I started looking for the right school, I, you know, I found one in Canada that was the Josh Atalis and he was offering a mental health and neurology course. So I thought, I'm just going to try it out and see how it is before I commit myself to a two year program with mm-hmm. him right. and a fantastic course. Um, but Victoria? then I felt, Where was that at? uh, no, it was virtual. Oh, okay. Um, he's based out of, I think he's on Ontario. Um, but he offers a, a virtual certificate program. Um, and I felt like, yeah, I wasn't sure. I almost went with him. And then I started hearing about this other teacher, Tracy Harrison, who uh, right, is the head her. of the uh, SAFM. And I, she actually has luckily a, a whole whack of different um, free classes that and just the general public can listen to. She always has yep. Facebook Lives. And so I started listening to a bunch of her classes and I thought I was just wowed. I was just like, wow. And like she knows so much. Yeah. I mean, she's full of knowledge and full of enthusiasm. And I thought that's what I want. She's from MIT to MIT. Yeah, <laughs> she's a she's an engineer. <laughs> and people sometimes scientists, functional yeah. wellness they say a pseudoscientist, and I was like, well, here's no. someone from MIT. Yeah. And uh, I was just really, really impressed. And I got some referrals from people saying, yes, it's a fantastic program. Yeah double the price but it's worth it and so I decided to risk it and never looked back it was one month into it and I felt like I had learned more in all the four years of school I'd previously done and um it was that was that was really uh the turning point for me in my practice because once I started practicing functional medicine you know from the time I started studying it in school um it just changed my practice like 100 180 percent well, let's let's talk a little about um, go back to the Canadian School of Natural mm-hmm. Nutrition. So, mm-hmm. what what type of things were you learning? And how long was that program? Two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah, and then I did a, another year of the uh, of just the mental health, mental health neurology, yeah. just uh, the continuing education. So, what were, what was programs. the first year like? That where were the classes centered around? It was virtual as well. It was mm-hmm. all virtual. Um, you can do in person classes, but. Uh, Every subject. So, you know, you start off with uh, biology, do uh, cellular biology, uh-huh. uh, chemistry. Um, so it's, it's very science-based as well. Um, but then you get into food and nutrition, and then there's a supplement course. Um, then there's another course even in mind-body mind body healing and the mind-body connection. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a short course in fitness, um, sports physiology, 
and a little bit on um, child nutrition. Um, so it kind of touches on all these different areas. This stuff is so important. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I have the other podcast. We talk about meditation mm -hmm. and sort of mental well-being and stuff mm -hmm. like that and the things you can do. Mm -hmm. But just sort of basic, what you're talking about is like mm -hmm. basic nutrition, basic mm -hmm. bodily um, how your body works, mm -hmm. what it needs, how you, mm -hmm. what happens as you age, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's just not taught right. unless you go out looking for it, mm -hmm. yeah, or unless something happens and you have a disease. Right? Exactly. And what I what I did like about the uh, nutrition school is that they, because it's called holistic nutrition, this is mm -hmm. exactly what it is: is actually looking at the body holistically. So we're not just affected by the food we eat. It's not just that's the, not the only aspect of health yeah. and wellness. It's actually your environment. It's your lifestyle. It's the stressors around Stress you. It's your big, emotional, yeah. Yeah. you know what you know your emotional life. Um, all those things, your your movement, um, all of those come into play when it comes to your wellness. So it's not just okay. I'm just going to eat the right foods and drink enough water and then I'll be fine. It's just like no, <laughs> oh, really? Shoot. no. If you're you surrounded like in toxic relationships, you know that sort of thing. That's going to affect your health hugely. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, a friend of mine wrote a book on stress, and he was saying that 80% of all disease is because of stress. Oh, absolutely. That high. 100% yeah. agree with that. Yeah. You know, I used to think it was all, uh, no, it's what's, it's, it's all in your gut. It's all in your gut. But then that's sort of, you know, early on that I was, I think I was just missing that piece. It's mm -hmm. like, well, stress affects the gut like nothing else, you know. And so, you know, when we talk about stress, it's like, you know, we think, we think, oh, we're not stressed. We're well, you can fine. tell right away if your gut is like, oh, if you've got gut issues, there's some stressor that your there's some your body's under stress in some sort because your your gut is the center of your immune system, and your immune system is basically like the little army that is in charge of protecting you. Wait, the gut right? is the center of your immune system. Pretty much, oh, yeah. Okay, well, most of the immune cells are in the gut. Oh, I don't um, know that. Okay. Yeah, most of the serotonin you produce is in your gut too. So there's a lot that happens in there. Mm -hmm. um, your gut bugs are really um, the primary agents <laughs> of how your wellness turns out, really. Yeah. It's, uh, when, I started, when I started a deep dive into microbiology, it was really, really uh, scary, actually, what I was reading. Uh, it's scary, but fascinating in the sense of like, how much these little critters are in charge. Oh, cellular biology is fascinating. And uh, it was my favorite course. My favorite. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of abstract. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. you can't really look at it. You have to sort of take someone's, you know, word for it as yeah. a scientist and obviously you know, yeah. the research and stuff like that. Yeah. But you just can't sort of look at yourself and go, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could put it under a microscope and say, oh, geez. You know. It's hard to make that connection because we don't see them. You know, we, we've got these bugs kind of running the show, you yeah. know, 24-7 and we don't see them. We feel them sometimes, but we don't really relate to them to, you know, any bugs in there. We just think... We look at our symptoms as symptoms, and we don't really think of where they're coming from. They, they must just look at us yeah. as just the host, you know what I mean? Like that movie Alien or something like that. <laughs> well, there's a, definitely a symbiotic relationship that happens there because they yeah. wouldn't be there if they weren't being served in some way and vice mm -hmm. versa. You know, they, we kind of help each other. And so with the right environment, when, when we feed them, then the good ones, you know, the, the ones that are beneficial to for us will grow mm -hmm. and be healthy and we'll be healthy in, in, as a result. But if we give our bodies the foods that feed the guys that we don't want to grow, overgrow, mm -hmm. 
that's exactly what will happen. They will start to overgrow, then our bodies will start to imbalance. They affect our hormone balance, they affect our neurotransmitters, they affect our ability to detoxify, um, et cetera, et cetera. So the, so the the idea of stress at the at what's happening at the cellular level then, as opposed to right. someone who's not stressed. Stress <clears throat> really um well, it's a whole downward, it's like a whole domino effect that happens with stress. When you have a, depending on what kind of stressor it is, if it's mm. an exterior stress, like say, you know, um, you have a stressful work environment Someone's or a home environment. You, yeah. yeah, so your body, it puts your body sort of in a defense mode. It puts your body into a fight or flight mode, mm. you know. And when that happens, we have an increase in cortisol. So cortisol is your main stress hormone that kind of comes into the picture. It's main, One of its main functions is it acts as an anti-inflammatory agent to help soothe the body basically when you're under stress your body's getting ready to fight or flight so it pumps all this blood and you know blood sugar into your through your blood right getting ready to fight and flight right so it's almost like if you can imagine i always think back on this book that i read a while back called uh uh why zebras don't get ulcers it's a fantastic book i recommend it to anybody yeah. yeah about uh you know the stress response in the body what actually happens during that process um, so the body re reacts to your stress, which might be something that you're just constantly dealing with as an emergency. And so with that, you're, it increases its uh, glucose in the blood because it's getting you ready, prepared to run for your life. Okay. Um, it raises your cortisol, you know, in a sense of like almost just to get you into that emergency uh, mode. Um, but when it does that and it does that enough, it's actually... Um, if it does that in a chronic state, if you're like going day to day to day to day into a work, you know, a stressful work environment or a stressful home environment, et cetera, et cetera, the body and its wisdom um, knows that keeping that cortisol high is not an actual healthy thing. We don't want that cortisol to stay high. We don't, don't want that blood sugar to stay high mm -hmm. because it becomes inflammatory. So it almost does the opposite of what its original purpose is to be anti-inflammatory. It becomes inflammatory to have all of that happening, to I have see. the body in a stressful state. So the body in its wisdom will downregulate a lot of these hormones in order to protect you, in order to keep you in a safe place. What does that mean? That means it starts to downregulate thyroid production. So your metabolism slows down because your body's in a preserving, wanting survival. Mm -hmm. Its ultimate goal is to keep you alive. And if that means that it turns down your metabolism, it turns down your thyroid, it turns down your sex hormones, because the last thing it wants to do is procreate during times of <laughs> In stress. fight or flight, yeah. Exactly. Kind of so hard this to is, do anyway. Yeah. This is why it might be hard for some women to get pregnant when they're really in a stressful, mm. chronic uh, state. Okay, interesting. Because their hormones will downregulate. So there's nothing wrong with these hormones. There's nothing wrong with the body. It's the body's way, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, given its environment. And, but... In that essence, too, it also downregulates um, digestive secretions because, again, that's the last thing it wants to do is to be digesting a meal when and it's in it when it's in that state um, of needing to run any minute. Um, so that's when we start to develop any, you know, we can start to develop sort of chronic digestive issues. Um, that leads the way for um, microbial overgrowth, you know to happen, fermentation to occur, hmm. poor digestion, poor di poor absorption of nutrients. When we have poor di oil, you know, absorption of nutrients, we have issues making neurotransmitters. That's when we can start to see our mood decline or some imbalances start to happen. So as you can see, it's like this, yeah. it's all starts, it can all start from a place of stress, all this downward spiral of 
just and, imbalances. And I think modern life is just stressful in general. Like you, right. you get up in the morning, you go sit in traffic, maybe there's an accident, right. or you missed your bus, right. you missed your subway, you mm -hmm. get there, you, your boss wants something, like right away, mm -hmm. something like that. Like mm -hmm. it's almost as if it feels like that a lot of people are just in a constant mm -hmm. uh, flight or uh, fight uh, state. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like a normal thing. And the body has... Uh, adjusted to that in a certain way and that's where these problems might come up right. it's not like they're all we're all just sort of living in this really you know oh everything's fine oh this little thing happened today fight or flight i'm feeling a little <laughs> digestive thing no it's like it's it's a it's it's almost like it's ongoing for for a lot of people i think yeah and that's actually not normal for the body i mean right. we've we've sure we've you know our bodies have evolved but actually in in essence our bodies haven't really changed much mm-hmm in a lot, you know, in hundreds and hundreds of years or thousands of years, even, you yep. know, in terms of the functions, how it runs its functions, what has changed is our environment. So the yeah. kind of stressors that we're being exposed to these days is not anywhere near what we were exposed to, say, 200 years ago. So, but our body's ability to adjust, you know, um, is pretty huge. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we can get to a place where, you know, um, We've tolerated a lot of stress, yeah. whether it's environmental stress or, you know, crap food or, you know, toxins and all sorts of things. We Our body keeps going. So sometimes it amazes me what somebody has been through and their body just keeps going. Yeah, it's, it's the amazing know? thing about the body that it can just <laughs> take a lot. Yeah. It's, you almost wish that it didn't. You know what I mean? Well, that's when you get health scares. Yeah. And, you know, people end up with things like diabetes or heart disease and then they wonder where it all came from and mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden i got diabetes and all of a sudden i got heart disease it's like no actually it's just been yeah. not all of a sudden it's been slow going for about 30 40 years yeah I, you, you know? probably know a lot of people too it just looks like oh you're, you're a little obese there and mm -hmm. you're drinking all the time mm -hmm. and your your diet is just every meal is bad it's like how are you mm -hmm. kind of getting along and then it's like oh you just see the list of medications that mm -hmm. they take like oh mm -hmm. yeah, i have diabetes and you know i have high blood pressure so i have to take this so i guess it's almost like um you know modern medicine is facilitating it so it's okay yeah we, we got your back keep doing what you're doing yeah there's a tendency you know in many circles to think that actually oh, we're in the best shape we've been in in our lives in terms of, you know, our, our human evolution and, and, you know, we're living longer. Yeah. We're living longer than we ever have. And it's actually, actually, if you really look at it and you really break it down, mm -hmm. the level of uh, chronic diseases has skyrocketed. Yeah. You know, um, nothing, some of them are nothing we've ever seen before. Depression. Yeah, autoimmune all disease, the, yeah. um, all sorts of things like that that are just... We've never seen levels like that before. And sure, people are living longer, but why are they living longer? It's, you know, our modern medicine, sure, it's been great and it's been keeping people alive. But has it been keeping people healthy yeah. and alive? That's a whole different story. Yeah. And at what point does sort of the, your quality of life sort of go off a cliff? Right. 50, 60, 70, something like that. And exactly. you're just using these medications. Right. Without really addressing why are people sick in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, that's all sort of been glossed over and not really looked at enough. And this is why I got into the work I did because I was just, I felt like something needs to be done here. I need to be be a part of this change that needs to happen here in the world. Yeah. Um, be a part of this group, this community of people that are doing this work to really kind of open eyes up a little bit in the sense of where, where, where do we start with 
you know, with people in the sense of helping them to understand of um, why they're sick in the first place. And it's, it's not because of lack of drugs. It's not because of lack of medications. It's not because of lack of supplements. It's actually goes, you know, we really have to start looking into lifestyle. We really have to start looking and questioning mm-hmm. whether our, you know, modern way of living is a, a healthy one or not for us. Yeah, so that's where the mental health aspect comes in. Right, right. <clears throat> it's normal because it's something we're so used to, but we can tend to do this a lot. We tend to normalize things that we're, are just common. We tend to normalize things that we're just used to. We don't know anything else. Right. And so we don't think there's a problem no, until we yeah, see something yeah. di- different. And then when we actually live, maybe we go off on a two-week holiday in the woods and we think, oh, my God. You know, like all of us have experienced that. We go off and we just think, oh, we take a breath and it's like, wow, you know, we feel so relaxed. And then we come back to our life. And then we actually, that's when we can actually see, oh, this is how I've been living 24-7 for for. Yeah, that equation you know? needs to be flipped. I think Josh, yeah. Josh and I were talking about this in our, yeah. in our podcast. Yeah. You should you should be living in the woods 50 weeks out of the year. <laughs> exactly. You go to the city two weeks out of the year to exactly. go get your socks and underwear, and then you come back. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But we're, we've gotten so used to this way of living. And so it's really, this is where the challenge and, you know, the work that I do lies right. is really helping people to kind of make that switch and to make that awareness happen for them and also to make those changes which can be really difficult because you're so used to the habits that you've grown into you're so used to having symptoms you're so used to feeling a certain way you don't really think that there's anything else mm-hmm. you know until you start making little changes and, and what I've been seeing is like even little tiny changes in somebody's life you know in somebody's lifestyle uh how such a huge impact that could have sure, they compound yeah and it's something like even a basic foundational need, like start getting them to drink a little bit more water right. with a bit of salt. Um, I've seen people's lives change like 180 degrees just from that one thing, wow. you know, because they haven't been giving their body that for years. Mm. Maybe they've been drinking like two to four cups a day. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay. We need to increase that by three times, four times. When you actually pay attention to that, you know, because I was sort of in a spot at one point. I was like, oh, I'm just always tired and yeah. this, that, and the other. And it's like, I don't yeah. know. I'm definitely not drinking enough water. It's like, how much water did you have today? I'm like, one cup. You know, I had coffee. I yeah. had tea, which kind of yeah. counts, right? So there, there's some liquid there. But yeah. the other six glasses were completely missing. Yeah. And what about the, um, I heard this one time. Is there, what happens... Let's say two people are eating the same identical meal. They mm. have the same mm-hmm. body, uh, you know, physiology. Mm-hmm. If, if someone's eating in a happy environment with their friends and mm-hmm. they're laughing and someone's just sitting by themselves mm-hmm. grumpy watching the evening news right. or, or, or they just had a bad day, yeah. that's a different experience in their gut, right? Oh, I would, I would, I would uh, guess 100% yes. Yeah. Um, there was actually a book, and it might have been the China study. Uh, I'm not sure if it was, but they did a big study on different cultures and different uh, all over and around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found that the healthiest cultures, in terms of being, you know, freer of diseases, right. um, freer of you know all these other you know in- inflictions that we have in our Western culture, um, are not necessarily the ones that had a healthier diet per se, yeah. but they actually had community, mm-hmm. actually had a family, actually had that connection. Um, and the, that was the most significant factor 
in somebody's health, which and just... also how long they live too, right? Exactly. There's some. There's an island exactly. in, in Greece, and then there's some some little uh, uh, town in in Japan. Right. And it's exactly what you're saying. Strong yep. sense of community. Yep. And but people, I think they go, well, "What are they eating? What are they eating?" It kind of yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does matter. Yeah. And I, but I think it's also it's one part of it. So this is why. I mean, really, ultimately, this is why I got into functional medicine, because I felt like after, you know, years of nutrition school, I felt like, you know, food and nutrition is not enough. Just kind of addressing that is not enough. I have to go a bit deeper in terms of understanding the human biology a little bit better. Mm. I have to go deeper in understanding what other impacts that could have on you biochemist, you know, biochemically, um, stressors, toxins, you know, all these kinds of things. Um, I just wanted more. I wanted to learn more. And I knew that there was more to learn so would you say that functional medicine is the next level down then to sort of holistic nutrition is that a good way to put it um for me i felt holistic nutrition was was that first stepping stone i needed Mm -hmm. um very important piece but um not the whole picture so once i actually you know started practicing functional medicine and you know I, i finished my schooling and i got certified um I'm still part of a mentorship because I feel like that was something I was invited into, but also it gives me opportunity to keep learning, to keep learning and to keep researching and to keep expanding this knowledge I have. Um, but that f- this feels to me like this is going into territory that maybe I wouldn't have gone into um, just being a holistic nutritionist. So I'm actually, you know, looking at being able to look at somebody's blood work and lab work and understand what was happening on a you know on a cellular level, mm. um, which was something I wasn't able to do before. So that those are all little tools that I have that I've developed yeah. um, over the years, where which has really expanded my ability to uh, my knowledge and my ability to help somebody. Is so. that sort of typical of, of a lot of uh, holistic nutritionists? They sort of they get a little interested. Um... And, and find their, themselves uh, studying functional medicine too. Um, I'm get, a few of them, not yeah. not everybody. Um, okay. I'm part of some nutrition school uh, circles, um, some peer peer circles. So they are sort of um, they consider themselves separate disciplines at this point. It is, yeah, yeah. it okay. is a separate discipline. There is no certification, as far as I know, in Canada except for Josh Atalis's, uh mm-hmm. program. Um, so the school that I went to was uh, SAFM is based uh, out of the U.S. Um, and they do offer its uh, accredited program now, um, which is fairly new. Um, where, where in the US, U.S. is he at? It's a virtual virtual school. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then the Academy, is that the Academy of Functional Wellness? Academy so, of Functional Wellness is okay. um, something that was um, created by one of the, um, my mentor, um, and... Uh, she was a graduate of the school, SAFM, and she's actually a, a teacher consultant out of the school. And so it was a, an actual separate learning institution that she created coming out of that, being a teacher mm. um, for a few years. And um, that was a, a program that I was invited into. Um, and uh, it, it's basically ongoing ongoing meetings. It's, uh, you know, we meet weekly, twice a week, and we just discuss cases and discuss uh, different topics. Cool. You know, last week we went into deep into bile, <laughs> you know, sort of like a geek, geek's paradise, what we call it. <laughs> People love talking about bile. Bile and, you know, gallbladder health and liver health. And, you know, we really get into the science of it. And really, so we have these learning, learning classes, but also 
uh, an opportunity for us to go into uh, cases of, you know, bringing, bringing a client case that we might be stuck on or we might need some help with. Yeah, yeah. And we all discuss it as a team. And then we get some insights and further learning. And it's, uh, it's, it's been amazing. I've been part of that for about four years now. How far along were you in your, uh, in your training when you just, you know, decided to go back to school for this, that you, you set up shop as, as, uh, as someone that was available to help other people too? Uh, pretty much right off the bat when right I graduated, yeah. um, when I graduated from my nutrition school, I started looking for, you know, to open up my own practice right away. Um, I got my sole proprietorship, um, here on the island and, um, I actually started working out of a clinic pretty quickly. Um, I had an opportunity to, to share a space with a homeopath on the island, and I did that for a few months. And then I kind of branched off and just kind of continued doing my own my own um, private um, consultations. That's so been about eight years or longer? Or? Uh, it's about almost seven years now. Mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, I know you've been here. I've, I've seen your name yeah, in the yeah. whole time I've been here. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, it's been, you know, the first few years were a little bit bumpy. Um, it was hard to get myself out there and to know how to do that because, you know, we were sort of, when we graduated school, we didn't really get, you know, any map that said, okay, now this is how you uh, promote yourself into the world and Here's get people to know path. who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we really, it was something I really had to learn on my own and um, started giving some talks and doing some workshops and um, uh now I'm at the place where I'm, you know, I'm writing articles uh, for the Couch and Belly Voice. Um, so I advertise out of there, trying to branch out a little bit. I also have international clients now, which is one of the bonuses of having to go virtual these yep. last two years. Yep. Um, international clients. So it's really been uh, really awesome to be able to extend my reach a little bit. Uh, when people outside. come to your um, uh, seminars and talks, hmm. What type of things are you, are they sort of at, what kind of questions are they asking and what type of, uh, what, where's the, where do you see that, like, there's a big sort of uh, way you can just fill in some knowledge for people? Yeah, I did, um, I did a few talks here, um, and there was basically, it was really focused based on a specific topic. So I did one on the gut, gut and uh, mind, or the gut and the uh, mind connection. Um, and then I did another one. One of my most well-attended ones was uh, uh, one for um, um, intuitive eating. Intuitive eating. Intuitive eating. That's a great title. <laughs> so that that was actually something that I'd wanted to do for a really long time, just mm. because of my own history right. with um, you know my issues with you know body image and um, where that led to in terms of my own health journey. Right. Um, so my struggles with that. Um, so I felt like that's uh, it's always, that was always something when I, you know, got into recovery with that. And that was always something that I wanted to, at some point, yep. start to bring out to the public and to really help people. And it, that was a bit of a risk for me because, you know, that's something I, that I've always been very private with and not really share that information with many people. But that, that's what you, you know, want in a teacher, right? Like exactly. It'd be almost like a yeah. piano teacher that's never played piano. Right, you know? right. Yeah. We'll get to a place where it's like, you know, this is this is your journey, and this is, you know, the wounds that you've had. This is the, the struggles that you've had. And if you can overcome them, you know, maybe the next step is, you know, what bigger gift would that be to be able to actually help other people because right. you've been through that. If you if you yeah. can pull yourself up from that. Exactly. Then, so yeah. that's where I found, you know, I've been able to connect with a lot of people who have, you know, um, 
who maybe have gone through those kinds of uh, feelings and struggles because mm-hmm. I feel like I've been there, yeah. you know, and, and I find that that's a really, um, that's been really helpful for a lot of my clients to yeah. really know that, oh, okay, she's not just, you know, spewing this knowledge and yeah. it's not coming from a, an empathic place. It's actually coming from a place of understanding and knowing. And so, people, I think people sense that. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, um, I remember when my father passed away, the only people that I really felt that um, when I was t- telling me about it, that could sort of understand what I was going through were mm-hmm. people whose father had passed away too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. So maybe um, let's talk about functional medicine in the next episode. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Take a deep dive into that. All right. Okay. <laughs> See you next time. Okay. <laughs>